Well, thank you all for coming. It's so great to be here. It's been a little bit of a while since we've been here on Sunday night. I forgot what we're doing. I thought, what are we doing, Exodus? I hope so. Anyway, <laughs> turning your Bible to Exodus chapter 2 as we continue, of course, our study of God's deliverance of his people Israel from their bondage in Egypt. That's what it's really about. You know, Genesis, the book of beginnings, and Exodus comes from ex adas. Ex means out of, and adas means way. So ex adas means the way out. It's a Greek word, really. And we're seeing this powerful event. We're seeing God brings his people, slaves, out of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world. And, of course, we're thinking about it that God is the deliverer, and the book of Exodus shows redemption. That's what it's all about, that neither Moses nor his people have to lift a finger. Not to do a thing. This book of Exodus shows redemption. And as we continue this evening, Moses is waiting. Now, you know, in your life, sometimes we think everything, nothing's, nothing's going right. And that's probably what Moses thought. He'd fled to Egypt to go to the land of Midian where he's on the backside of the desert shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. And things really don't look that good. I mean, he thought, I mean, you think about his life, he, he probably from the time he was a little boy, his mother, because remember his mother, he had a contact with his mother, uh, that she told him, you're, you're supposed to be the one to deliver the people. In fact, when he was 40 years old, and, and, and the book of Acts tells us that when he, when he told the Jewish people, these guys fighting, hey, I'm supposed to help you, he said they, he thought they would understand that he was supposed to be the deliverer. And they didn't, so he had to leave. And, and he's now on the backside of the desert. And if you just stopped him and said, how's your life going? He'd say, well, it's really not going that good because it started out great. You know, I, I, I've been trained in Egypt. I've been doing everything. I, I, I really thought that I was supposed to be the deliverer. That's what my mother told me. That's what my mother and daddy told me. That's, they told me I was special from God, that God was going to use me to deliver the people. And it didn't work out. And I actually killed, I killed a man. I wasn't supposed to do that. And I had to run. I've been on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Basically, all I've done is take care of sheep. That's basically it. And if, if you really want to look at it, I, I don't really have that good a life. I mean, it's just sort of went to nothing. And I don't think God will ever use me again. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes I think you can make mistakes and God won't ever use you again. I think that's what he's thinking. And, uh, but he thinks he's forgotten. But God hadn't forgotten him. Moses is waiting, and God is working. This evening we see Moses in the desert as God prepares him to lead the people out of Egypt. Let's start with a prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a great night. Thank you, Lord, for each one who's here. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together. Lord, the Bible is so perfect. Help us, Lord, as we study it, as we look at the life of Moses. We know the things written in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. Thank you, Lord, that there's truth there that we can know and apply. Lord, that's the goal, that we see things there that we can live out in our lives, that we can uh, make application, and that we can pass on. So, Lord, would you uh, use us as we... Uh, study tonight, use us as we leave this place, that our, that our lives would count for you. Teach us now, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we live in a, a hurry-up society. I, I think it's true. We're always in a hurry. We, we, get, we go to get a hamburger. We want the hamburger. We walk in. We say, I need a hamburger. And they're going back there for a minute. We're thinking, what, what's the deal? Why is it taking so long to get the hamburger? We want to get ice cream. We want to get our oil changed. You know, well, how come y'all can't change the oil in 10 minutes? I mean, there's things on the TV that says eight-minute oil change. Why can't y'all do it? I mean, that's what you, we think, and, and we want everything right now. The, the fact that we don't like to wait, but we do wait. We wait in line. We wait to eat. We wait to finish school. We wait to get a job. We wait to get married. We wait to get to have children. We wait for the children to grow up. We wait for the, to retire. But we live in a world that doesn't want to wait because we want instant potatoes and oatmeal and fast food and uh, hot water. We want hot water without it boiling. We, we want everything right now. But sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes God's plan is that 
He's working in our lives to do something, and this isn't the time. We're to wait on the Lord as he's working in our lives. Now, why does God have us to wait? Well, we're seeing that in the life of Moses. Now, think about this. In the life of Moses, he is waiting. Why? There's two things, really. One, it's not the right time. When Moses was 40 years old, Moses said, I thought they would know that I'm the one to deliver him. Guess what? He is the deliverer. It's not the right time. Second is, God is preparing him. He may say, listen, I've been trained in Egypt. Uh, I mean, I know about fighting. I know about soldiers. I know about war. I know about food. I know about mathematics. I know about a lot of stuff. I'm ready. He said, no, you're not prepared yet. Because see, to do all that, that to, to lead my people, you're going to have to be a shepherd. Because you're going to shepherd my flock for 40 years. And that's the plan. Why does God have us wait? Well, because it's not the right time. And God is preparing us. This evening we get a look at Moses. It's a hard time for him because he's on the backside of the desert waiting. But I think by this time, I don't think Moses is waiting like, I wonder when God's going to do something. I think he's basically said God was going to do something, but that's pretty much over. He thought he was the one to deliver the people, but and he thought he was ready, but he wasn't. Now, last time we saw those two things, that it's not the right time and God is preparing Moses. So he got into trouble. The Jews did not follow his leadership. He has to flee Egypt to go to Midian. Now, I want you to think about this. From his view of God, God is not going to use him anymore. That's what he's thinking. God's not going to use me anymore. He's waiting, basically, to see what will happen. But from God's view, I think the next slide, from God's view, God is working. God is preparing Moses to deliver the people. And in our lives, we think nothing's happening. God says, oh, yeah, lots happening. You just don't know it. You can't tell it yet. I'm working in your life. I'm preparing you. I'm taking you through this. You know, there are a lot of guys when they go to seminary. Now, one of the mistakes some guys do when they go to seminary is they go to seminary and they don't do any ministry. They just go to classes. And that's really not a good idea because when you go to seminary, you should be serving somewhere even while you're going to school. But a lot of times people think, well, I'm in seminary and it's dry here and and I'm not getting to do anything. But they have to realize that is a time of preparation, that God's getting them ready to do something else. And so it's pretty powerful. For, for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was trained in Egypt. For the next 40 years of Moses' life, he's trained in the desert. So this evening, what we're going to see is kind of three things. Moses in Midian, Moses waits, God prepares. That's what we're seeing. Let's, be, let's get a brief review. The Jews came to Egypt, of course, at the time of Joseph. God's plan is to, to, to build them into a great nation. That's really the plan. The Pharaoh fears their growth, so he puts them into slavery. The plan was to kill all the boy babies, cast them into the Nile. We saw the birth of Moses and his mother hit him for three months, but they couldn't hide him very much longer. So she made a little basket, put him in it, fixed it with tar and everything so it wouldn't leak, and she put him in the water. And hoping, she, I guess she said, you know, about every day about this time, Pharaoh's daughter comes down here. Who knows what will happen? I'm going to put him out there, see what happens. So she put him in the water, and Pharaoh's daughter came down, and she saw this basket by the reeds. She got one of her slaves to go down in there. They pulled it up, opened it up, and there's little Moses, and he's crying. And she says, this is one of those Hebrew babies. Meanwhile, Moses' older sister Miriam is standing there, and she's watching the whole thing. This is the plan. And before Pharaoh's daughter could say, this is one of those Hebrew boys, throw him right back in the river, she says, hey, do you want me to go get, do you want me to go get a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? She went, good idea. So she goes and gets Moses' mother and brings her up there. And, and Pharaoh's daughter says, uh, listen, will you nurse this baby? I'll pay you some money to do that. So Moses' mother, what an amazing thing. She trusted God. She put him. She did what the letter of the law said. You had to cast your son in the Nile. It didn't say anything about whether you could put him in a box or not. But anyway, she cast him in the Nile. She thought, what's going to happen to him? Well, it's better than she ever thought. She's got her son back. She's nursing him, and she's getting paid to do it. 
right? And he's going to be raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And that's exactly what happened. He was adopted and raised there. And at the age of 40 years old, something happened. His life can be divided into three 40-year time periods. The first 40 years of his life is in Egypt. He's in Pharaoh's household. Then he gets into trouble. And from 40 to 80, he gets in trouble. He flees to Midian. And in a sense, he's waiting and God is preparing. And as I said, even though I've got that he's waiting, I think like any of us, don't you think about after 40 years, we might have given up. And just said, you know, after five years, you know, six years, 10, 12, 18, 22, 50, 40. About that time, I just, I don't think it's going to happen, right? And and then the last 40 years of his life, because he lives three 40-year time periods, basically, 80 to 120. He leads the exodus, and he brings out the nation, and they wander basically for 40 years. Now, last week, we saw, or last time, we saw the first 40 years, raised by Pharaoh's daughter, trained in all the learning of Egypt. And, you know, one of the things you have to remember, he was trained in all the learning of Egypt, and it said that... Uh, uh, he uh, we went over to to Acts and saw that uh, he was he was mighty in words and deeds. I mean, he knew some stuff, you know. And later on, Moses is not going to say that he can talk very well, even though the Bible actually said that he could. Something happened. If you look at verse 11 of Exodus chapter 3, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up. He's now 40. He went out to his brethren and looked at their hard labor, saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and he looked that way, and then he saw that there was no one around. He struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He killed him. He killed him. Now, when it said that he was grown up, he went out to his brethren. We know from the book of Acts and one other place that what most likely that was meaning is he decided to join the Jewish people, to move out of Pharaoh's household, which is pretty amazing. He's got it made. He's rich. He's got everything. He's on line, in line possibly to be the next Pharaoh, and he moves out to be part of slaves. I think he realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Jewish person, and I am the deliverer of my people. So I'm going to go out and be among them. So he kills a man and gets himself in trouble and... Uh, what happened is in verse 14, he saw the two Hebrews fighting each other. And he said, "Who made?" they said to him, who made you prince and judge over us? You intended to kill us as you kill the Egyptian? Moses was afraid and surely the matter had become known. And so when Pharaoh heard about it, Moses left and he went. Acts 7.25 says, he thought they would know that he was the one, but they didn't. So he flees to Midian and he stops at a well and he sits down by this well. And that's, that's where we are. And Moses had been educated in Egypt, trained, learning, mighty in word or deed. You could say, isn't he ready? What if you went to the finest school you could go to and say, am I ready? You know, it's a possibility that a guy could could uh, be involved in ministry, go off to Dallas Seminary, go through all the right classes, get all the language, get all the history, get all the theology, get everything, and come out and still not be ready, right? Because God may say, I've got something for you to do, and you're not ready yet for what I have for you to do. It's possible. Moses has been trained in everything in Egypt, but he wasn't ready. He was trained by the world, but before he could lead the nation of Israel, he had to be trained by God. God takes him for the next 40 years of his life and trains him so he can be a shepherd and shepherd the flock of Israel. Uh, I put right here, uh, he becomes a shepherd. Why? He will shepherd the flock of Israel. Now, while we wait, think about this, because in our lives we think, I'm sort of in a holding pattern, or I haven't seen anything happen yet, or how come this hadn't happened yet, or what's going on? Just remember, it's probably not the right time, and God is preparing us. I want you to think about the contrast. Moses is a man of great contrast. Watch this. He was a child of a slave, but the son of a queen. He was born in poverty, but raised in wealth. He was born in a hut, but raised in a palace. He was a leader of the armies, but as a keeper of the flocks. 
He had the learning of Egypt, but the training from God. He was fitted for the city, but he lived in the wilderness. I don't, is there another one? Yeah, he was the giver of the law, but the forerunner of grace. He was a slave, but brought redemption for his people. What a contrast. I mean, think about it. Child of a slave, son of a queen. Born in poverty, raised in wealth, lived, born in a hut, lived in a palace. I mean, everything about him was a huge contrast. Now he's by the well. Look at verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Now there's a man who's a priest. His name is Reuel, but he's also called Jethro. He's got two names. A lot of people had two names. And he had seven daughters. He was a priest. Now, he was a priest of Midian. What kind of priest was he? Well, the best we can tell is you look at this, he was probably a man who believed in the true God of Israel. You'd say, wait a minute, how, how, could, be, how, how could somebody who's not Jewish believe in the God of Israel? I mean, how, how, did, how would he even know about the true God? Well, I mean, let me ask you something. From Adam and Eve to Cain to Abel, Seth, Noah, Ham, Shem, Japheth, did they all know about the true God? Of course they did. Do you think all their descendants did? I mean, just because Abraham, God came to Abram and told him these things and gave him a promise, didn't mean other people didn't know about the true God. And here's something to think about, that uh, the Midianites were descendants of Abraham's Abraham and his second wife, Keturah. So they're actually descendants of Abraham, these people. The Midianites. So they came to get water. It's part of the, the, this is part of the world. Water's big. I mean, they're out in a desert area. It's vital. And notice what happened. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered the flock. Now, here are these girls, these seven young girls, most likely. And I mean young girls. They could have been as young as 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And they're taking care of their father's flock. Obviously, he doesn't have any sons. And so he's got his daughters out there taking care. Well, the shepherds come along and they say, hey, you girls, get out of it. Our sheep's going to be watered first. Get away, get away, get away. Our animals are going to be watered first. And, and by the way, this was probably normal every time. Because we're going to see something in just a minute. So, But all of a sudden, there's this man that says, hey, hey, you guys get away from here. And you know, most likely, those shepherds that came may have been young boys. And Moses stands up to him and says, you get back. These girls are going to water their flock right now. And they went, well, who, who do you think you are? Well, I'm who I am. <laughs> who do you think I am? Anyway, so he, they kind of, and all of a sudden it says the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up, helped them, and watered their flock. And Moses said, excuse me, I'm watering these girls' flock right here. So that's big. Moses, protect them. You know, that's what Moses is going to end up being. He's going to be a protector. He's going to be a great shepherd. That's what he's going to be. And so the shepherds run them off, but he defended them. And then look at verse 18. They came to Ruel, their father, and look at the question. Why have you come back so soon today? Why were they usually later coming back? Because they didn't get to water their flock. Because every time they started watering their flock, these other shepherds came up and ran them all off. Then they watered their flock. They left. Then the girls had to water the flock. So they come home early today. And he says, why did you all get here so early? Like, what happened? And they said this. They said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. So when they come home, he asked the questions, how come, how come you got here early? And they said, well, this Egyptian delivered us. Now, was Moses an Egyptian? Why did they call him an Egyptian? Because he looked like a lesson. What has he spent the first 40 years of his life? In Egypt, I mean, he looks like an Egyptian. He probably walked like an Egyptian. But anyway, uh, you know, he just... <laughs> 
Don't know about that one anyway. But uh, think about it. He looked like an Egyptian. I mean, they just assumed this was an Egyptian man. They didn't know anything about him. And so they said this Egyptian man delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. and wasn't. He even got the water for us, and he drew it out, and he watered the flock. Well, Raul or Jethro says, I've been looking for a guy like this, right? I mean, what do I have? I have seven daughters. They can't even water the flock because everybody else runs them off. And now some guy shows up, an Egyptian, and, and he protects them. So what my question is, why isn't he here now? Why didn't y'all invite the guy home? Let's talk about it. So it says to his daughters, verse 20, where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. So they go back and find him. I'm sure they do. They go back and say, would you want to come eat at our house? Our daddy said, would you like to come home? Because we don't, you know, do you have a place to stay? Well, no, no, I really don't. Well, would you like to come stay with us? And he said, yeah, yeah, I did. In fact, one of them is pretty cute. <laughs> one, of the, one of these girls is pretty cute, you know. So, yeah, I would, I would like I would like to go. So they invited him to come eat. Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and guess what? And he gave him his daughter Zipporah to Moses. So Moses came to live with him. And notice how it says he was willing to dwell, because what he, I'm sure he went back and he ate and they had a great time. And Raul or Jethro said, you know, i got a question for you. I mean, you don't have a place to go. I need some help around here. I mean, I really do. I, I, you know, my daughters, they're young, and it's just a hard time with the sheep and everything. Would you want to stay here with us and help me out? And he said, and I'll give you one of my daughters. And Jethro, and Moses said, I, that one's kind of cute right over there. I, that's, I mean, that's the one I want. And so he gave to him his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Think about Moses. He, it looks bad for him because he's running off. He's 40 years old. His dream looks like it's died. He was supposed to deliver Israel, and now he's out in the middle of nowhere. But he at least meets this man and his family, and they're nice to him. And, and now he's, gonna, he's gotten married. He's got a new life, a new family, a wife. And then look what it says. Then she gave birth to a son. You know, really, in these verses, boy, it goes really quickly. Because he comes, he, he helps, he gets married, and then he's got a son. Then she gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have become a sojourner in a foreign land. Now the son, the name Gershom means banished. It means a stranger. How would you like to name your son? This is a stranger. What's your son's name? Stranger. But that's what his name was. Because he says, I have been, I have become a stranger in this land. A stranger. He was banished from Egypt. And his people, he, he's not living with the Jewish people. He's a stranger in a foreign land. So think about his life. First 40 years, Egypt, and now the next 40 years, it's going to be in Midian, in the backside of nowhere. What's going on? God is preparing Moses to serve him. If Moses is going to lead 2 million Jewish people in the wilderness, he better get some practice, Right? And I'll tell you what, being trained in Egypt as a soldier is not what he needed. Although he thought that's what did it. He had to get some practice. And so the break, we got a break here. Moses is gone. The nation is still in slavery, bondage and everything. So it stops about Moses right there. And, and it gives us some history about the Jewish people. And, and really the next time we see Moses, which will be chapter 3, verse 1, Moses, 40 years have passed. And he's about 80 years old. Now, you know, 40 years is a long time. 
I mean, it goes by real fast. Time goes by fast. Now, if you, as you get older, you know how fast everything goes. But still, even, even when time goes by fast, 40 years is a long time. And so Moses, the next time we see him, he'll be 80. And in this break, we see that the nation is still in slavery. To the Jew, it looks like God has forgotten them. If you're Jewish people, you'd say this. Why are we even in Egypt? Well, because God told us to come down here because it was a big famine and Joseph was already down here and we came down here as a family and, 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 and then we started growing and everything and then the Pharaohs don't like us and Pharaoh put us in slavery and we've been that way ever since. Do you know how long they're going to be in slavery? Anybody know? As a people group, they're in slavery for 400 years. The whole time. And so here's... Here they are, and this is nearing the end of that, but it's, it's been a tough time. Now look at verse 23. It says, Now it came about in the course of many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. See, they're, they're crying out to God, and they're saying, Help us. Help us, Lord. And, and um, sometimes, I think, sometimes we think God has forgotten us, but nothing is happening. But he knows, and he's preparing. He's working. I think one of the greatest comfort in life is this, that God never stops loving you and he never stops working in your life. As long as he's got us on this earth, as long as we're alive and we're on this earth, God will use you for his glory. It may not be what you think it ought to be, but he's going to take your life and use you. And if you just say to him, Lord, use me for your glory. It says that uh, king died and basically the Pharaoh died. There's going to be more Pharaohs come along and all of these different things. Notice the words in this verse 23. They sighed. There was pain. They cried out. They cried for help. They were in bondage. God heard their groaning. Look at verse 24. So God heard their groaning. He knows everything you go through. I mean, have you have you said to him, Lord, I, this is happening. And he goes, I know. What am I going to do? I, I'm in charge. Don't worry. It's going to work out better than you could imagine always does he remembered notice verse 24 so god heard the groaning and god remembered his covenant with abraham isaac and jacob let me, let me talk about this covenant for he remembered his covenant with abraham isaac and jacob if you remember that's the patriarchs that's the main ones that's the ones that we saw throughout the book of genesis there was abraham the, the great father the high father the father of many nations his son isaac and then everything came down to jacob and jacob had the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of israel and they all went into the land and that's the land of egypt and that's where they are but God remembers his covenant. And he made a covenant with him. You remember? The covenant had three parts. He said, I'm going to give you a land, a seed, a blessing. The land is what we call the promised land. The seed would be offspring, which would be a nation, a great nation. But there would be a blessing. Because, by the way, of that seed also is the Messiah coming. But the blessing is that all the world would be blessed. And that's to all the world would be a Messiah and a Savior. So he's promised that to them. God remembers his promise. Now, here's what's so great. Listen to this. He will bring them back to the land, make them a great nation, and bring them aside. That's what he promised. You remember when Joseph got ready to die, what did he say? Uh, listen, when y'all get out of here, take, take my bones back, because God has already promised that that's what's going to happen. Do you realize that in Egypt, somewhere there's, there's Joseph embalmed in a box, and everybody says, who's that? That was a guy that delivered, to, saved everybody. You know, saved all of us. It was a big famine. He knew what to do. He's kind of been a hero. Jewish people say, you know, that's, that's Joseph. And one of these days when we leave, we, we made a promise that we'd take him out of here. You just going to go get him? Yeah, we're just going to go get him. When we're leaving, I don't know how he's leaving, but we're going to go get him, and we're putting him on a wagon and get him out of here. Right? 
That's the promise. That's what we said. You know what he promised us? I give you eternal life and you never perish. I will never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory. I've gone to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't that way, I would have told you. You can do all things through my power through you. That's what he's promised us. That's what he's going to do. Notice verse 25. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. He knows what's going on. And he knows everything that's going on in our lives. He knows what's going on in that life. And that's, I mean, that's what's happening. Now, as we move to chapter 3, 40 years have passed. You know, and it's so amazing when you study the scripture. I mean, all of a sudden, chapter 3, Moses is 80 years old. And you go, well, what, what, happened? what happened in between? God says, that's, you really don't need to know that. If you need to know that, I'll be giving it to you. You go, okay. We're going to see that Moses is 80 years old. You know what, today, if you're 80 years old, guess what? You're too old. You're too old to do anything. I mean, you're 80 years old, you can hardly walk. If you're 80 years old, you can't get much done. If you're 80 years old, by the way, by the time you're 80 years old, we want to say to you, listen, don't fall down and just go sit over there and we'll like feed you. And then, and then, then we'll just kind of leave you alone. And because you've passed your prime. See, in our culture, it, when you get older, you've passed your prime and we, you, we're not good for much when we get older. That's the way our world, that's the way our culture thinks. Moses may have said, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't get around like I used to. But I still think, well, I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. He's 80 years old. Too old for today, but just right to be used by God. Notice what I call the call of Moses. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father. Obviously, he's got two names, you know. Ruel and, and Jethro. And Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. What's the other name of Horeb? You might know. Sinai. You know where he is? He's at the place that they're going to get the law. He's at Mount Sinai. He's at the base of the mountain at which sometime later, after they go and they come out and they come to this mountain, he's going to go up on that mountain and he's going to get what we call the Mosaic Law. This is the place. He's just back there with, with the sheep. And he, just, he says, I come to this mountain a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of Midian. This is the backside of everything. And I, I come to this mountain a lot. And uh, he's taking care. He's on the west side of the wilderness. And he's come to Horeb, the mountain of God. He, he You know, he's he's an amazing man. He had learned now how to shepherd in the desert. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. But he's going to need it when he brings the nation of Israel out. Never forget that God is in the process of training Moses. And the truth is, God is in the process of training us. And listen, you may say... I'm 60 years old, I'm 70 years old, I'm 80 years old, I'm 45 years old, I'm not 20, I'm not 18. He's already through with me. He's, he's, he's prepared me all, he's going to prepare me. No, he's never stopping preparing you to use you. Never. You're never too old. You're never too old. When Daniel was thrown in the line, did, was he a young man, old man? He's an old man. Is the, he probably was 80-something years old when he was thrown in the lines then. Daniel. Joshua and Caleb, when Caleb, when, when uh, Caleb said, I want the, I want the, I want the mountain right there. I want that part and I want to take it. How old was he? 
He's over, he's probably 80 years old. You're never too old. Never too old. Well, what may look like the backside of the desert is God working in our lives, preparing us for his service. What is our reaction to the trials, the problems, the delays? We, we say, what, what has happened? Why isn't God working our lives? Well, what has happened is 40 years have passed. He has led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, Mount Horeb, which is the same as Mount Sinai. And this is the place that God will give the law. As far as Moses was concerned, this is just another normal day. When you get up in the mornings, I mean, you get up and you go, Let's see, what do I normally do on Monday? What do I normally do on Tuesday? What do I normally do on Wednesday? What do I normally do on Thursday? I mean, it's just a normal day. Every day's normal, isn't it? Every day's the same. I mean, some days you say, I'm going to go on this trip today, or I'm going to go on this, or I've got a special project to turn in, or I've got to do this. But most days we wake up, and it's just another day. What do you think about Moses? Moses got up that day, and he walked out there, and he's got his sheep, and they're at the backside of the desert there at Mount Horeb. And if you said to Moses, anything happening today? He said, nah, it's just another day. Just another day. I hope I don't lose any sheep. I mean, it's tough out here. And yeah, it's just another day. Anything happening special? No, no. Just another day. And every day when you wake up, you may realize and you may say, it's just another day. But it's not just another day. Every day is unique and special. Every day is unique and special. This is the turning point. This day is the turning point in Moses' life. Look what happened. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, the angel of the Lord, that's a special term found in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. It's called a theophany, which means a God appearing. Theos, phanos. Theos means God. Phanos, phanorero, means appearing. So a theophany is a God appearing. God is appearing. The angel of the Lord is a title sometimes given in the Old Testament for an, a pre, the pre-incarnate Christ, an appearance of God in some kind of form to mankind. It's called a theophany. That's what it is. And sometimes he's called the angel of the Lord. And so it says here, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. And we're going to see this God because that's what he says. He says, I'm God. And he says, an angel of the Lord appeared in this blazing fire in a bush. And the bush was burning, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, everything that I read is sometimes... It's so hot, everything's over there. Sometimes bushes do just catch on fire. But what's amazing is this bush is caught on fire, but it's not burning up. It's just burning. And so Moses goes by and he goes, there's a bush on fire. They're on fire a lot out here. You should see the bushes that burn out here. And he went, but that bush is not burning up. I mean, that bush is burning, but it's not burning up. It's not burning up. Like I mean, bushes burn up, but that one's not. And so... Look what he does. Moses says, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight why the bush is not burned up. He said, I'm going to go check this out. And notice, then when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, uh, I'm right here. All right. What would you do? What would you do? You, I mean, we got written revelation. 
God speaks to you all the time in written revelation. You understand that every time you open this book up and you read these passages and you read the scripture, God's speaking to you. It's his written revelation given to you so you can know and understand. There are times before written revelation because written revelation didn't happen yet. Moses is going to be the guy to write the first five books. And suddenly God says, Moses, Moses, uh, here I am. That's what he says. first time that God has spoken in a long time in a long time who could be calling Moses from the bush verse 5 then he said do not come near here remove your sandals from your feet for the place in which you're standing is holy ground he wants Moses to realize wait a minute stop right there where you are now it's set apart. This is set apart ground. Don't come any Take your shoes off. Because I want you to realize that you're in the presence of the Holy God. Notice verse 6. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He wants to make sure he knows exactly who he is. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. God met with Abraham. God met with Isaac. God met with Jacob. You realize that. God came and actually met with Abraham. God came and met with Isaac. God came and met with Jacob. And now God is about to meet with Moses. We read this like, well, it's just a story. It's not a story. It's a true story, if we're going to say it that way. Moses was on the backside of the desert with a burning bush, and it's actually the living, eternal God talking to him. I am the one who is called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the one who's going to make a great nation from these people. That's his promises. How does Moses respond when he realizes the true God? Notice what it says. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He's afraid. What would you do? If Jesus Christ appeared right here, right now, in his glory, what would we do? We'd fall on our faces. We'd be afraid. We'd, I mean, when an angel, if an angel appeared in here, what would we do? We would be afraid because they're powerful beings. Well, think about God. God's a lot more powerful than the angel. He's more powerful than we can imagine. He's made himself known to Moses. Why? Because he's going to call him. The next time we'll see that God calls Moses to go back to lead the nation out. The thing that Moses thought he was going to do 40 years earlier, God has appeared to him and said, it's time for you to go back. You could see Moses saying, well, why didn't we do this earlier? He said, because you weren't ready. And it wasn't time. See, you got to wait till the fullness, the iniquity of the Amorites. He's going to take them back to the promised land, right? Well, you got to wait till you got to wait till those people are wicked enough to remove them. That hadn't happened yet either. This is what Moses planned his life about. How's he going to respond? You think Moses would go, I have been waiting for this all my life. Woohoo! This is great. I'm so ready. What did Moses say? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think you, I think you got the wrong guy. Remember me? It's Moses you're talking to. 
The guy that killed the guy, this guy has done nothing but take care of sheep for 40 years. You're asking me to go back? I'm not even a good talker. Huh? And I'm 80 years old. That's okay. He's going to get his older brother, three years older, 83, to help him. <laughs> and his older sister, who may be seven years older than all. We can't tell for sure, but she may be seven years older than Moses. So he's going to get an 87-year-old woman and an 83-year-old man and an 80-year-old man and said, y'all going to be the leaders to take everybody out. All the young people say, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He said, well, y'all haven't been doing so pretty good by yourselves over here, have you? Yeah. <laughs> what have we seen? Moses flees to Midian, meets Jethro, marries the daughter. For 40 years, he's a shepherd in Midian. Moses is waiting, but God is working. God knows the situation of the Israelites. God is in Sinai, Mount Horeb. He sees the burning bush, and God reveals himself to Moses. So let me give you some applications. First one is this. Know our, God knows our situation. He knows everything about what we're going through. He knows the suffering of the Jews. He heard the groaning and crying. He knows same is true for us. He knows everything that goes on in our lives. Sometimes we think that... Nobody knows. You remember the song, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Been. You know, God knows everything. He knows everything. In fact, He's working His plan as we go through it. I mean, think about it. God has not forgotten. He knows us. We can rest in Him. We can trust in Him. We must continue to trust Him in all the circumstances of our lives. That takes us to number two. Since He knows our situation, He's the one working in our lives. All things that we go through are not only does He allow this, but He's working this to prepare us. Moses, for 40 years as a shepherd, looks like nothing. You'd say, anybody can do that. No, not anybody can do that. And how many, let me ask you something. How many years was he the shepherd in Midian? How many years is he going to be a shepherd taking the nation of Israel around? 40 years. He's just preparing him. Just preparing him. God is working in our lives. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. I mean, sometimes in our culture, when when you begin to get... 60, people say, when are you going to retire? Prophet Hendricks said, you, you don't retire. You don't retire from ministry. He said, I know guys that have been in ministry and they're sliding for home. He says, keep running those bases, baby. Keep running those bases. Behind the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, God is working to make us more and more like Christ and preparing us. You may be, you may be on the backside of the desert right now. You might be. And you say, I don't think anything's happening. <coughs> and God says, it's working, I'm working. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. Third, God is holy. We're to be holy. He said, Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. God is a holy God, and any of us connected with our holy God, we better be holy. Sometimes we're not. We sin. We fall short of the glory of God. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. God is a God of grace, love, and mercy because what he could do is every time we sin, he could kill us. You know, really, you'd get one chance. I'm a holy God. If you're not holy, you're dead. Who would be here? None of us. But he says this, you shall be holy because I'm holy. I'm a holy God. You're going to be holy. You represent me. That's what God says. We're men and women set apart for God so we can serve our Savior. Moses has been waiting. God's been preparing him. So may we be holy men and women, resting and trusting God as we are being prepared to serve him. Now, we can be serving him now, but see, we don't know what else he's going to do with us and how he's doing it. And we may say, well, I'm serving him now. Yeah, but this, this is just something he's getting you ready for something else. You know. You know that he's going to do with your life beyond what you could imagine. Do you understand that? 
Don't settle for anything less. He's going to do things in your life that's beyond what you could imagine. You will get to the end of your life, or you may be up there going, I cannot believe all the stuff he did. How he used me to do that. And you're never too old. You're never too old. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the passage. Thank you for all the things here, Lord. As we look at Moses, we see what he does as he gets there, and you take care of him, and he takes him to rule Jethro and and meets the daughters and gets married and does everything. And and for 40 years, you're training him and preparing him. And, Lord, even though he thinks... He thinks it's over. You know our situation. You know everything is going on. You're working in our lives even when we can't see it. And, Lord, it's just amazing that you came to call Moses at 80 years old. And, Lord, that tells us that none of us, it doesn't matter. You're never through with us. As long as you got us here, you're preparing us, training us, using us, getting us ready to continue to do even more things for you. And, Lord, so I pray for all of us in this room that, Lord, we just recognize that we trust you, that you're working in our lives. We're never too old or too young. That even when we're serving now, you're still just preparing us to do even more things for you that would be beyond what we could ask or imagine. So, Lord, all we ask is that you would use us for your glory. Prepare us. Use us. We just want to be faithful. Lord, we'll just go go wherever you want us to go, do whatever you want us to do. May our lives just count for you. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Any questions, comments about anything tonight? I know it's... Is that is that you way up there? I can see you. Yes. Okay. I'll try to answer those questions. <laughs> First of all, there's a difference between him being in us now and actually appearing in some type of form. Now, he appeared in the burning bush. It doesn't say anything else about that. There are times in the Old Testament, which we talked about this before, he is called, when he is called the El Shaddai, the Mighty One, That's he has some type of appearance and some type of form that people could see. Abraham saw him, Isaac saw him, Jacob saw him. Moses is going to see him here. He's going to meet with Moses face to face. Remember, one time he said, I want to really see your presence. He said, nobody can really see me and live. And he's talking about the eternal God. This is this is the pre-incarnate Christ with some form. So him being in us and him having some form and appearing before us is two different things. So that's number one. Number two is I'm not sure. Uh, the best we can tell is after the formation of the canon and the way things like that, we've got a written revelation and he may or may not appear. I, I don't. You know, some people say I saw Jesus the other night, and I'll say, "What he looked like?" She said, "Just they say just like his picture and everything." And so you just want to say, Are "You sure it's Jesus?" By the way, you, you know the story. I just let me throw this out. I'm sorry, but the story about the little boy that supposedly died went up to heaven. Remember the book? The book this out is number one bestseller. What's? Do you may know the name of the book? Huh? Heaven is for real. You, have you heard? It? You heard what he said? He said he went up to heaven. He was talking to Jesus. They asked him, "What did Jesus look like?" And they said, "Oh, he." He looked like I thought he would look like. And what were you like? What was it like when you're around Jesus? Oh, he said he was real calm. And he said, "You saw your grandfather, your great grandfather that you never saw." He said, "Yeah, I saw my great grandfather." What were you doing? He said, "I was sitting by the Holy Spirit." Let me ask you a question: Does the Holy Spirit have a body? No, he doesn't. I, I want to say, well, wh- who are you sitting by? Because Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's a spirit being. Doesn't have a body. So I just wanted to say, when people start telling all this stuff, like I saw Jesus and I went up to heaven and I can't. 
I don't know what to think about all that. I, most of the stuff that they say doesn't match Scripture. So be careful when people start telling you, I had this experience, but it doesn't exactly match Scripture. So what was the other two questions? I, I got the first three, I think, but what was the other two? It, the bottom line is, uh, does he appear today? I don't, I, I don't know. He's never appeared to me, but he has appeared to me in the Scripture. I see him in the Word of God. If he chooses to appear, he can. He can do anything he wants to do. He can do anything any way he wants to do it. But it appears to us in the church age, since he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, and he's not coming back until everything's ready, and he's going to prepare a place for us, and then we're going to leave. Uh, it, it, apparently, he's left us, of course, Holy Spirit inside. Truthfully, he lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Father in us. All three are inside of us, empowering us to serve. So, I, I, I don't know about him appearing today in any form. Well, I think some people are more emotional than others, but we don't see him. He may be in us, and we may feel excited, and, and a lot of people think worship is the emotion. Worship is responding to God, and so I, I know some people are much more emotional. I'm, I'm an emotional person, but for some reason, I'm not emotional when it comes to how I respond to God. I mean, I'm not moving around and doing all the stuff when I'm worshiping God. That's just not me, but I'm a very emotional person because I, I'm very sensitive, and I love people, and I cry easy and all that kind of stuff, so I'm real emotional, but not in that way. So I think some people are just different than others, but knowing the fact that you have God inside of you it should be something that we go, man, that is un- that's unbelievable. That's incredible. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know why some people seem to be more emotional when they worship than others. But I'm not sure that an emotional response is showing any greater response than someone who doesn't show that same type of emotion. Okay, thanks. What else? Nothing else from the balcony, please? No, I'm just kidding. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's thinking that all Jewish people looked at Abraham as their father. That's what I think he's saying there. Because he then comes down and lists them all. Yeah, list the patriarchs. He could have said, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he said, I'm the God of your father. And I think that Moses would have said, yeah, Abraham, because I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm a Jew. And then he listed them all. I think patriarchs. Yeah, because he lists them right after it. Yeah. But yeah, that's a great point. And I started to bring it out. I just didn't say it. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, there's two things there. First of all, God is continual. But second is, who's alive? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. See, it, Jesus brought that out. Jesus later on says that I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He, he didn't say I was the God of Abraham because they're not dead. They're still alive. When they came to him and said, when a person, you know, gets married and, and supposed to, you know, and their husband dies and, and then they marry the brother and they, they took with that whole thing and all seven brothers died. And, and so who's going to get to marry him when they get in heaven? He said, you, first of all, you don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. We're not going to get married up in heaven. And number two, his people are still alive. God is, God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a great point. Great point. What else? What else? Anything else? What? I can't hear you. Oh, oh, my wife is in here. I've, uh, 
tomorrow, the ladies are having their dinner. We need some men who are strong. Let's see how you put it. That makes all of them want to stay. We need some men who are strong. I think there's some tables right over there. Do you know where they are? All we need to do is roll them out here and set them up. We don't have to put chairs. We don't have to put chairs around them. You're all going to do them your own way, aren't you? You have to have what? You mean if we put tables out here, you can't? I got you. Okay. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> well, I suppose what we could do is we could get the tables and pull them out and set them up. What about setting as many as we can over there? Would that be okay? That, that saves that saves you some time, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't care. Okay, anyway. <laughs> if anybody wants to move some tables and set them up in that section so they're not in the way so he can get the drums out, that'd be great. But he'll, he'll do that. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thanks again for just our time and, and that we could be together. But most of all, thank you for our Savior Jesus, knowing that you're working, you're preparing, you're doing all these things for us, working in our lives. May we just be faithful to be, ser- be, to be servants and to be used by you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you all so much.